For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Thinking of starting a podcast? We'll try Anchor. It's free, easy to use, and its creation tools allow you to record and edit directly from your phone or computer. It'll even take care of distribution for you with a single tap so you can be heard on platforms such as Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. Also, Anchor is the only place you can publish video podcasts directly to Spotify. Man, you can even make money using Anchor in a couple of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. It's truly everything you need in one place to make a podcast. So make sure to go download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Again, download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. Welcome back to another episode of It's Cavalier. Today we talk about my upcoming NBA free agent wish list. Been working on that for a while, so excited to share that with y'all. But before we get started with today's episode, man, the Madison Square Garden was rocking last night, wasn't it? Derrick Rose put up 26 points, 4 rebounds, 4 assists, and a 101-92 win over the Atlanta Hawks in a game that ties the series up one-to-one man you just love to see it Derek Rose you know the former Cavalier guy who everybody just kind of wrote off after being released by Cleveland and uh man he's he's managed to to really turn his career around at this point he's reinvented himself hasn't he you just love to see Derek Rose doing so well after the myriad of injuries he's had to deal with over the course of his career i mean such a bright start to a uh, to, to a career that obviously was highlighted by the i think he was the youngest player ever to win the mvp uh at the time and his his star was was shining so bright and he he looked to be a rising star in the NBA moving forward. Unfortunately, we know how, you know, his career has kind of panned out, had the big injury uh, in the playoffs with Chicago way back. I think it was 2011. I think that was the first major one and was has never really been able to get back to that height. But regardless, like I said, he's managed to reinvent himself and I couldn't be happier for him. Uh, Julius Randle in that game went 15 points, 12 rebounds, 4 assists, but he was only 5 of 16 from the field. So obviously the big takeaway from the game was, in fact, Rose. At this at this point in time, if you're not a fan of Rose or if you're not happy to see what he's doing, you might not be a fan of basketball. Trey Young, uh, conversely, dropped in his usual 30 points, 7 assists. He went 11 to 20 from the field and, as always, shot the lights out 4 7 from 3. He did just about everything he could. More on Trey Young in a minute, but, you know, I don't get... I've been harsh on on Young, I ain't going to lie, just because I think sometimes 
the way he can get his points can be a little bit questionable. You know, whether or not you believe he hunts for fouls or not, what is undeniably true is the fact that he is a star in the making. And he can play the game. He is very talented. So no, I'm not, I take nothing away from Trey Young in that regard. But to see what we saw last night, you know, just kind of, you know, straying away from the game itself. We had two major instances of fans just completely just disgusting behavior. That's uh, that's the best way I can describe it. It was disgusting behavior. I am so tired of fans feeling and acting as if they are above reproach and they are above getting hands laid upon. I'm going to say, you know, I would never, ever uh, advocate for violence. So let's just get that out of the way. But in regards to Trey Young, it there was a video that was put out shortly after the game. And it was egregious. A fan was seen visibly spitting either on or in the direction of one Trey Young. Interestingly enough, guess who was in the vicinity of that? 50 Cent. Now, I don't know if 50 Cent saw it, whether or not. The video actually showed as if he didn't. So it is what it is. I'm sure there's a reason why he didn't, you know, jump into that. Because uh, the girlfriend or whoever he brought with him, the, the, the lady that was by his side, looked like the spit either landed on her or, you know, some of it may have may have touched her. I don't know. If that was me, <laughs> I'd be handing out some ass whoopings. I don't know. And if that, if it hit Trey Young, maybe it's in the spur of the moment. Maybe he didn't feel it or anything. But you have to, you, you have to just understand that if that is something that Trey Young sees and that's something that, you know, that transpires we're we're not seeing guys keeping their heads cool calm and collected we're seeing guys looking to retaliate and speaking of retaliation let's move it along to the game between the washington wizards and the philadelphia 76ers uh, a, a game that really, you know, from a basketball perspective, they, the writing is on the wall. The Wizards have lost this series. They're a good story this season. I am fairly happy that they made it uh, to the playoffs. I, I love to see it, especially after Westbrook was kind of written off and people were pondering whether or not he's just, and he still get these questions, whether he's just a stat patter or if he actually has an impact on the game. I tend to lead towards the latter. I think he has a huge impact when he doesn't play well. The Wizards team, uh, tend to not play well, uh, regardless of how well Bradley Beal plays. But in last night's game, which was a 95-120 to 120 loss, like I said, this, this series is pretty much over, guys. But Westbrook in that game... 10.6 rebounds, did have 11 assists, but he was only 2 of 10 from the field before he left due to an injury in only 29 minutes. But the major takeaway from this game, and that's the shitty part, the major takeaway from this game wasn't even about the game. It was another fan. A fan was shown on camera, and I, I'm sure they'll confirm who this fan is and get his ass out of the stadium make sure he's no longer able to attend these games or be at the venue whatever he might be banned who knows but when they do find out 
who he is. I I just hope that they they you know shine a huge spotlight on him. Uh, maybe that's a little harsh, but no, the guy was seen pouring popcorn on Russell Westbrook as he was entering the tunnel to head to the locker room. Already, you know, leaving the court due to injury. So I'm sure tensions are high for him. Emotion is high for him. He's not feeling the greatest about things. And you, you as a fan feel the need to pour popcorn on the guy. Now, again, I say I'm not advocating violence. I would never do that. But I do think there's a time and a place for people and for a point to be made. And it's it's well past the point at this point in time where fans should be able to get away with just about anything short of touching a player. Now, if you, you saw in the video, and I'll, I'll put the link to it in the description, but you saw it took four to five guys to hold Westbrook back. This is not just some scrub. This is Russell Westbrook, one of the most athletic, maybe possibly quite one of the strongest guards in today's game. You, this is not a guy you want to mess with, especially if it's, you know, if this is in the streets, this is like he said, like Westbrook said, this is in the streets. This is a whole different story. These fans would not be compelled to do half the crap they do if they're face-to-face with said athlete. That was the huge takeaway from this game. And that that's terrible because fans are just now being allowed back in the stadiums after the pandemic that we've had to deal with. Now, they may, they're obviously, the NBA needs to take a look at this and dive deeper into, into preventing this from happening in the future. I don't know what they're going to do. I don't know what rule changes are going to be made, but... I do know that Adam Silver is quite attentive and quite the listener in regards to the players. And he has a fairly, if not really good, relationship with the the Basketball Players Association. So I'm very interested to see what changes come of this mess. But I'm just tired of seeing fans just go just way past the line. If you're going to talk crap, you're going to talk garbage, if you're going to, you know, try and get players out of their comfort zone, I get that. You pay money to come see the players play. You pay you pay money to boo at the opposing team's players, things of that nature. I get that. But there's a line that that is habitually crossed in some of these uh in some of these cities that just it's just bad. It's bad for basketball. It's bad for, you know, it's a bad look on fans, and it honestly has the 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 essence to to make the NBA look bad if they don't jump on it and figure something out. This should not be the takeaway from a playoff basketball game. That obviously it wasn't malice in the palace or anything like that, but had the potential to be had there not been enough people to hold Westbrook back. I'll just I'll leave it at that. This is not a <laughs> this is a Cavaliers basketball podcast, so we'll go ahead and get to that. And like I said, uh, I've been working on this free agent wish list for you guys for a while now, and uh, it's fairly straightforward. You know, just guys I would like to see the Cavaliers bring in uh, heading into this next season. And mind you, a lot of this has to do with who or who not the Cavs choose to draft in the upcoming NBA draft, which is, uh, you know, it's kind of loaded. It may be a little top heavy, but there's, there's certain guys that 
you know, would immediately impact the franchise in a number of ways. We know guys like Kate Cunningham would immediately step in and probably make this team a playoff contender. I've said that on the last episode. Um, I think Jonathan Kaminga could come in and have an immediate impact, start right over anybody you'd have in the four spot. Uh, you know, either uh Jalen Green could be drafted and come in and have an immediate impact. We talked about that the last episode on how really the last two episodes upon how Jalen Green could possibly step in into a three guard lineup if you're really uh you're really thinking about having both Garland and Sexton in the starting lineup. Um, I think that could work. You know, you see how that would you'd roll it out just to see how it would work. But this is all just to say you know, this free agent wish list is heavily dependent upon who the Cavs uh, end up drafting. And with the recent news of the Thunder winning the coin flip that now firmly puts Cleveland with the fifth highest odds to uh, win that number one pick, you know, uh, we can go back on that back and forth on that all day. I don't think Cavs are going to win the number one overall pick, but in the off chance that they do, I'll be very excited. So on to this list, shall we? Number one, Spencer Dinwiddie. <laughs> I know people are probably going to laugh at that and think, oh, man, Spencer Dinwiddie is either a max contract level guy or a guy who could who could earn top dollar in free agency. Um, yes, that all of that is true. I understand that. I definitely do. But this is a wish list. This is, these are guys who I wish could play for the Cavs or the Cavs would go after in free agency. It's no secret that Cleveland needs a true backup point guard, true veteran leadership at that position. Yes, we know that Matthew Delvadova in that regard, that latter half definitely provides leadership. We know that. And we know that, you know, he dealt with a lot of injuries. He had the concussion uh, coming into the season, I believe, um, dealt with a couple other issues. But we know that he has never really been counted upon as a scorer outside of a sh- very short burst, um, although excellent play in the, uh, I think it was the 2015 finals uh, alongside LeBron James and Timothy Mosgott. They, you know, that was really the last time Delabadova truly balled out. This, that's not his MO. He's not that, he's not a scorer. Dinwiddie could immediately step in and impact that area uh, tremendously. He could score. He can assist. He can rebound. He's a pretty good shooter. Got some uh, some height on him, which Dick Cleveland is definitely lacking in that regard. Um, you know, when you're playing a smallish backcourt like Garland in Sexton, you got to have somebody in that second unit who can step in and uh, affect the defense as well. And that's definitely area that. Cleveland has to work on. So I'd love to see Spencer Dinwiddie uh, in wine and gold next season. Not too sure that that'll happen. I don't think it's in the realm of possibility, especially when you're planning for, you know, the uh, the contract extensions of Colin Sexton and later on down the line, Darius Garland. Uh, but again, just heavily depends upon who the Cavs draft. If they go guard, obviously that's not going to happen. Uh, number two on this list, TJ McConnell of the Indiana Pacers man McConnell can play some defense can he Uh, he's just one of those heady guys he kind of reminds me of a younger uh, Della Vadova now 
you know, McConnell is a little bit more polished on the offensive end uh, than than our beloved Delhi is. But, you know, we would really be bringing him in for what he can do on the defensive end as opposed to offensively. So I think that would be a nice addition. I think the, he had a game against Cleveland where he set the Pacers all-time record for steals uh, in a game, which was crazy to see. <laughs> I, you know, I'm... I'm very high on McConnell. I liked him all the way going back to his uh, 76ers days. But just his inclusion to this team would, would do wonders for the, the defense. He could probably play alongside either Garland or Sexton. He'd probably be a very good compliment you know, to either one. Uh, McConnell is not necessarily a good free throw or three-point shooter. Uh, in his career, but still, he would be a massive upgrade over the likes of Matthew Delavadova, who I don't think the Cavs are going to bring back. Uh, number three on the list, Mr. Cameron Payne, who is getting uh, a lot of spotlight right now because of Chris Paul's injury in this uh this series against the Los Angeles Lakers. This season Cameron Payne in 60 games put up 8.4 points, 2.4 rebounds, 3.6 assists and is a 34% shooter from outside the arc, which would be huge for Cleveland. Now, few of you may remember Cameron Payne actually played for the Cavaliers at one point in time during the dreadful 2018-2019 season in which many players walked through uh, the Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse. You know, he played in nine games, had one start for Cleveland, uh, put up 8.2 points. So the team, or at least the franchise, is somewhat familiar with what Payne can do. But at this point in time, he's obviously developed with Phoenix, and he's due to be an unrestricted free agent, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Payne would be everything the Cavs would need and more. Now, the problem, the really only problem I see with Payne at this point in time is his size. Obviously, he can't do anything about that. That guy is done growing, I'm pretty sure, at (laughs) um, 26 years of age, but at six foot one, he doesn't really help the stereotype of uh, smallish guards in Cleveland and Cleveland's infatuation of, uh, of the ilk. But that's really truly the only issue I think that there would be with this signing uh, for fans. Now, again, disclaimer, depends upon what Cleveland does in the draft. I'll continue to say that, but. I would love to see Cameron Payne back in the wine and gold. Number four, Devontae Graham of the Hornets. Now, that's an interesting uh, one right there, too, because Devontae Graham is also another short guard, but he's also a player who we've seen really be able to put up points and really be able to be a bench scorer. Um, You know, the Hornets at this point in time, have a, I don't know if you want to call it a logjam, but they definitely have a lot of players that need minutes uh, at the guard position. When you talk about LaMelo Ball, who just bursted onto the scene, who has been, everything is advertised uh, for the team. And you have Terry Rozier, who you got in free agency a couple of seasons back. I just don't know if you're really, truly 
going to be able to move forward uh, and clear that log jam for the Hornets without getting rid of one of those guys there. I, I just don't see it. Uh, and at with him due up for free agency, I think they're going to either – and I, I think that he is actually a restrictor free agent, so people are going to have to – send offer sheets for him. I could definitely see a situation where a team, you know, maybe like Cleveland, uh, maybe not, but I could definitely see somebody out there sending out an offer sheet that is probably too much for the Hornets to match. I could definitely see something like that happening, especially if they're sold on Razier and Ball as their backcourt of the future. Both of those guys are still young. Obviously, Ball is extremely young, and Razier is still relatively young. So, and Graham, and you know, Graham's twenty six. He would still technically fit into their timeline, especially with them, you know, making the postseason or the play in. But I definitely don't see him returning to the Hornets. Cleveland could definitely step in there and possibly get him. Uh, I don't know what kind of money it would take, but it would just be one of those scenarios in which Cleveland doesn't select a guard in the draft and they're looking around the landscape. And if some of these guys are already off the board in free agency, I could definitely see a guy like Graham uh, coming in and, and having a big impact in the reserve role. Uh, number five on the list the old, reliable, old veteran, Patty Mills of the San Antonio Spurs. Now, the thing about Mills that, that a lot of people have to remember is that, one, he's a shorter guard, too, and I'm I'm, I'm assuming you guys are starting to see uh, uh, a correlation in this in in this list of mine, and that is, yes, there's a lot of guards because Cleveland needs solid guard play either in a starting spot or reserve role, most mostly reserve. But that's, you know, that's really the team's biggest need, in my opinion. Mills is a proven veteran. He's a NBA champion. You know, he won the chip back in 2014 with the Spurs uh, on this season in 68 games. He put up 10.8 points, dished out 2.4 assists. Now, that's that's a little bit concerning, but I don't know if you're necessarily, if you'd be bringing in a guy like Mills for his, you know, his uh, ability to assist the ball or relatively, you know, really to score. Now, I, I tend to towards the latter, but, you know, I could definitely see where there would be some gripes about that. Again, he's, a, he's another short player, but he's – he definitely has been around. He's seen and done it all at 30 years old. He's been an NBA champion. He has championship experience, playoff experience, something that this team is really lacking in outside of a few players. Um, but, you know, he's another guy who could be available if San Antonio is not seeing him as, you know, part of their core moving forward. And like I said, at 32 years old, I, I really don't know how much more you're going to be able to get out of him as a core foundational member of your team. If you're San Antonio and you, you, you kind of want to get younger, you know, get a somewhat of a youth movement. But uh, he, he's a guy who I think is on, he has a player option, I think, uh, for next season. I don't know, I might be mistaken, but he could come 
you know, as one of the cheaper options in free agency for Cleveland. He he wouldn't be he wouldn't cost you an arm and a leg like a guy like Spencer Dinwiddie uh, would. But I could definitely see Cleveland moving in that direction. You know, especially from a veteran standpoint. If you're if you're going to replace Matthew Delvadova, I guess the ideal thing would be to replace him with a veteran who can replicate what he does at a higher level. Okay, uh, number six on the list, Mr. Nerlens Noel. Now, Noel is a guy. I think Nerl, I think Noel's only twenty six years old himself, and so his inclusion on this list has a lot to do with what Cleveland decides to do with Isaiah Hartenstein. Uh, if Hartenstein, I think Hartenstein has a player option, and if he declines that, we'll really have to sit back and see uh, what kind of salary he is commanding. I don't know if the Cavs let him test the market or whatnot. I don't see it happen. I think they'll get him under contract for you know something cheap, but it, it just remains to be seen. Uh, and, and that is not even referencing the upcoming Jared Allen extension and what kind of money they could throw at him. There's all kinds of reports out there about you know how Allen could be looking at a $100 million deal, and I definitely think that's warranted. So I don't know if, the, if both of the two are, are, are related or not, but I would have to think that Cleveland is, is looking at its options in regards to its uh, big men. You, you have Kevin Love on the roster still. You have, presumably, Jared Allen coming back. Uh, it's just, you have Dean Wade, who can line up three through five if need be. Um, you know, there, there's a plethora of options uh, in, in regards to the big men that, the, that Cleveland could roll out. And Cleveland could surprise a lot of people and go, you know, center or power forward in the draft, too which is obviously another need for this team. But if they don't end up bringing Hartenstein back, I would love to see a player like Nerlens Noel come in. I don't think he's going to want to uh, step out of the confines of Madison Square Garden, you know, especially with the Knicks making the playoffs this season, which is huge. You know, I already talked about that. But at his age, he would still fit the timeline very well. Um, you know, he can, he's obviously an excellent rebounder. He grabbed 6.4 rebounds this year, put up 5.1 points. He's not a terrible free throw shooter, which is, you know, you don't see all the time with big men. He put in 71.4% of his attempts this season and he would be able to step in immediately and have a huge impact. He played 24.2 minutes per game this season, so that wouldn't be an issue. You know, I think that he would be able to give Love and Allen or whoever you slot in at the forward spot huge rest uh, moving forward. And, you know, those of you out there who've listened to the podcast, uh, you know, in, in recent episodes, know how I'm kind of feeling about love right now. I definitely think that love is not a uh, he's not a bench guy necessarily, but he's not a guy who should be playing high starters minutes. I see him as a guy who maybe should be playing 24 to 26 minutes a game. That starter title don't mean too much anymore for him. Uh, I just don't think that he provides enough in that regard to truly have like a, a huge impact 
on uh, you know on a night to night basis for for really what he's being paid and the outburst that he's had. We'll have to see if Love can put that you know all those issues behind him. But I think Noel would be a huge addition to this team, depending upon what the team decides to do with the the big men that are going to be available and and taking care of their own free agents. So Noel at the number six spot on my list. At number seven, another guy that Cleveland is familiar with, David Nwaba, who plays for the Rockets at this point in time. Now, David Nwaba is a bit undersized, and I, and I do understand that, but he can defend one through four. You don't see that typically out of a smallish guy who you know there's a lot of comparisons to Draymond Green in that in that regard but at six foot five uh David Nawaba really can line up one through four defensively and lock down his um his opposition and he's not terrible at at scoring the ball either in in 30 games this season put up 9.2 points snag 3.9 rebounds the one thing that you really wish you could see him approve upon is his uh, shot from beyond the arc. Career 32.3% on those shots. It's even worse, 27% this season. But nonetheless, I would still love to see uh, Nwaba make his return to Cleveland. He had a quick cup of uh, coffee with Cleveland during that uh, just atrocious 2018-2019 season. Suited up for Cleveland in 51 games, made 14 starts during that season. Uh, I would love to see him return to Cleveland if they can make contracts work. Now, for Nwaba, I don't really quite know where he would fit in in terms of the rotation because this this team is clearly has a log jam uh, at the wing position. You're talking about guys already under contract right now. You obviously have the recently drafted Isaac Okoro, who's probably not moving from that starting lineup. You have Torn Prince, who is under contract for at least one more year before they figure out what they're going to do with him. You have Dean Wade, who really came on strong. You have Dylan Windler, who's probably going to figure in to get some more minutes. You know, his season ended, uh, unfortunately, rather early. You have Lamar Stevens, who also came on uh, pretty big, who didn't really get a lot of time down the, down the stretch because of his injury. Um, outside of those guys, you have... Uh, Fiondu Kelly, who really can, I, I think he can do a lot. He's got a very versatile skill set. Uh, I spoke about him a lot uh, in in my my appearance with Zach Weiss on across the Cavs. I, I really think that he can uh, make a huge impact on this team and in the rotation if given the opportunity. And, and that's just a few guys. Uh, I definitely think, and uh, you know, you can include Larry Nance Jr. in that because Jr. can line up really three through five if need be. And he'll be back, you know, stronger, hopefully better than ever. And, you know, possibly impacting the game just as much as he did before he'd gotten hurt. So they they really have a lot to figure out in that regard, and I would assume that the team is going to draft, you know, somebody who could step in and 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 steal some minutes from the wing rotation players as well. So who who really knows? But I I do know that I would love to see Nwaba back in Cleveland and locking down 
the opposition. At number eight, Ish Smith, who who is getting a lot of run with the Wizards this season, especially in the postseason, uh, with Russell Westbrook, you know, constantly uh, on and off the court due to his injuries. I, I like what Ish Smith brings. He's a speedy guy. I, he might be up there with Colin Sexton and the the De'Aaron Foxes of the world. Uh, in terms of just sheer speed on the court. He's, that guy is like a lightning bolt. I, I love what I see out of Smith. Obviously, Smith is a undersized guard himself, which obviously is sort of a negative for uh, for him. Uh, but I definitely like what I've seen from him. He's six foot, buck 75. I, I don't know. that 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 could be a... A little bit of a problem for him uh, in terms of defense and facing you know so in today's modern nba a lot of these guards are pretty tall man <laughs> i mean you you talk about now just perfect instance uh trying to guard somebody like ben simmons at six foot i mean I, like how the hell do you even do that i don't know so that could be somewhat of an issue for him but the big thing for me on why i included him on this list is one he's 32 years old so uh, he may come a little bit cheaper, and he is a veteran. He could definitely take up that role of backup point guard and be very impactful. He's obviously not known as a defender, but he could definitely take over for uh, Delhi and, and provide some much-needed offense. Number nine on the list is another guard in Dennis Smith Jr. of the Detroit Pistons. Fun fact about Dennis Smith Jr. He is still only 23 years old. And I believe by the time next season rolls around, he'll still be just 23. Now, it seems like forever ago since the Dallas Mavericks kind of wrote off Jr. because of the acquisition, or should I say drafting, there of Luka Doncic. I just don't understand uh, for the life of me why people have given up on this young man in year one as a rookie 20 year old rookie for dallas 15.2 points 5.2 assists 3.8 rebounds now he did that in 69 starts as a rookie year two 13.6 points 4.8 assists 2.9 rebounds in 53 games of actions uh, games of action i obviously there is a bit of a dip in the scoring department year three in dallas 12.9 points uh you know it, it continues to go down a little bit 4.3 assist three rebounds now obviously that has a lot to do with luca coming to town and kind of them trying to kind of figure out what is the fit between the two and then, you know, before shipping him out to the New York Knicks, and I think it was the Kristaps uh, Porzingis trade that, that he was involved in. I, I can't remember. But Dean Smith Jr. has just been forgotten by by, by the NBA, really. It just it kind of seems that way. He's, he's had a bit of a resurgence with Detroit recently. But by and large, a lot of people just kind of gave up on Dennis Smith Jr. I don't understand why. I think at 23, he still has a lot of upside, a lot to offer. Yes, he is another smallish guard uh, at six foot two, but 
he's still so young. He there's a lot of untapped potential with Smith Jr. And I think you could he's another one of these guys who in, in a rarity. Here's the rare thing about his inclusion on this list, and that is that one, he is both young and he could probably come certainly cheap. I I don't get why Cleveland wouldn't want to you know wouldn't be interested in taking a flyer on him. Um, I need to look up whether or not Smith Jr. is going to be a restricted free agent or an unrestricted free agent, nor if he has an option. I just I don't understand why teams have really gotten away from thinking that this young man, you know, that he he can't do anything. I don't get it. We'll 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 see how this situation plays out, but I just don't see why he wouldn't be high up there on a list of guys you'd want to take a flyer on. And if I'm reading this correctly, you know, he had a team exercised, uh, team option exercised uh, by the Knicks. When it wasn't, yeah, it was the Knicks uh, for the 2021 season. So I think he is going to be a unrestricted free agent. So that would be a good uh, flyer that the, the Cavs could take. If all else fails, um, you know, that's kind of why he's so far down this list, because the, obviously everybody else who's listed above him would probably provide an immediate impact. Junior is probably one of those guys you could either sit on the bench and have him as a reliable scorer or, you know, somebody who could be a, you know, in a rotation guy. Obviously, with the amount of injuries this team has faced this season, you, you want to make sure you're stockpiled at the at the guard spots. So he would be a guy that I'm comfortable with bringing in. Uh, hopefully he gets a shot, even if it's not with the Cavs. Hopefully either Detroit brings him back or he finds a home somewhere that people truly want him. Lastly, at number 10, Chris Dunn. Now, I have just been in love. Maybe it's just me. Maybe I've just been infatuated with uh, the, the the defensive tendencies that Dunn is uh, that he showcases on a game to game basis. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm more of a defensive guy myself. So I, I really enjoy when especially guards take defense seriously because Let's not kid ourselves. These players these days, just outside of a few select players, really just seem to not be interested at all in in playing the less glamorous end of basketball. Now, Chris Dunn only appeared in four games this season, so it's important to understand that he dealt with injuries, you know, pretty much the whole season. Only had one point three points. Half of an assist, 1.5 rebounds in terms of stats. But he could definitely provide a lot in regards to uh, defensive tenacity and intensity. And he could definitely take the lead on what Matthew Delavadova quote-unquote provides at this stage of his career. If he's really ever been on the level of Dunn in that regard, which I don't believe he has. Obviously, you know, he's going to come cheap. Uh, if you if you take a flyer on him and he would definitely fit the Cavs timeline at just 26 years old. Uh, but it would remain to be seen what Cleveland or how much they would value a guy like that in that role. I think it would be worth taking a flyer on him, especially if a lot of these other guys are already 
uh, signed. Uh, and if Cleveland strikes out and trying to draft one of the top guys uh, in, in this year's upcoming draft, but I just don't see why not. You know, there's definitely a lot of upside to Dunn if he can get healthy. Uh, the, then that's really the big factor with him. He's never played a complete season. Uh, year one, 2016-2017 season with Minnesota, appeared in 78 games, only started seven. Year two with Chicago, 52 games. Year three, 46 games. Year four, 51 games. And that brings us up to this season with only four appearances. So that's really the big question mark with Dunn, and that is his health and whether or not he's going to be able to stay a part of uh, if, if whether or not he's going to be able to stay on the court. That that's really you know it's as cut and dry as that. At six foot three, two hundred five pounds, you'd definitely be pretty good size, you know, to to throw out there. Definitely be able to take a lot of the defensive pressure off of Colin Sexton and Darius Garland and whoever Cleveland drafts. But I don't see why you wouldn't want to take a flyer on a guy. We'll just have to see how things kind of pan out in that regard. But that concludes my list of NBA free agents that I would love to see be in wine and gold next season. And so much of this is going to depend upon what Cleveland does in the draft. And obviously the Cavs can't take all these guys, but even if they got one or two of them, I'd be pretty happy about it. And I think it would go a long way and determining Kobe Altman's future, which is another topic for another day. So we're going to go ahead and close out today's episode. As always, if you would like to reach out to me fairly easily, just reach out on Twitter at it's Cavalier underscore pod. I'm very responsive. Uh, if you would want to just drop a question in there or you know inquire about one of the topics that you've heard on today's episode, um, and also Please, please, please don't forget to leave a review and rate. It definitely helps in terms of content, especially in the off season uh, when there's you know not so much to talk about. So, with that being said, take it easy. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.